Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 67 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. What's going on? So I want to jump right into this episode by resetting what my initial goal was when I started this podcast a couple of years back. And that was to determine whether or not, after having spent the better part of three decades plus as a radio and TV show host and podcaster, could I ensure that the next 25 years of my life would be the best 25 years of my life, personally and professionally? Could I reinvent myself? Could I attack this phase of my life and my career? with the same energy and intensity that I did when I began my career. In other words, could I have similar, if not better, results? Could the ensuing years be even more rewarding than what many would consider my prime years that were already in my rearview mirror? The answer had to be yes, right? Otherwise, why get out of bed in the morning? For who? For what? So what was my new mission? What was my new obsession? How could I ensure that I was taking massive daily action in a focused and intentional way to get where I needed to go? And were my best 25 years, in fact, in front of me and not behind me? I believed it to be true, and I did ask the question of virtually every single guest who has appeared on this podcast so far. And of course, they all said yes, of course. That brings me now to this week's guest, Michael Lombardi. little background on Michael first before I get to this conversation. Michael is a legendary NFL executive. He's a best-selling author, talk show host, and a Bruce Springsteen fanatic, plus the proud possessor of three Super Bowl rings. I have known Michael for years, and I've had countless conversations with him on my radio and TV programs, and he always brings the heat unapologetic, tremendous insight, and premium content. He's just a great guest. I appreciate the relationship, and he always makes the show better. However, until this episode, we had never really had a long-form conversation in this particular space, and I was astonished to find out that we're actually in very similar places in our lives and actually see things in a very similar manner. For instance, we have both accomplished a fair amount. Well, actually, in his case, a tremendous amount, but at the same time, we're both hungry, we're both determined, and we both continue to strive to achieve. So, I put the question to him as emphatically as I possibly could. Michael, you've got three Super Bowl rings, you're a best-selling author, you're a little bit older than I am, do you truly, truly believe, deep down, that your best work and your best years are in front of you? And without any hesitation at all, he said, absolutely, I know they are, Jim. And it wasn't just that he said it, it was the way he said it that stopped me dead in my tracks. With absolute conviction and almost this type of missionary zeal, almost as if to say, why are you even asking me that question? Why do you think we're here? Of course the best is in front of me. And it's completely incumbent upon me to design and execute the blueprint that ensures that my best years are in front of me. So what I'm saying to you is, this is an episode that you do not want to miss, a conversation with somebody who has accomplished so much in life, yet has no doubt in his mind that the very best is still in front of him, and points to countless comps and examples of others who have proved it. It is episode 67 of The Reinvention Project with guest Michael Lombardi, and it's coming at you right now. So, Michael, you and I have had a number of conversations over the years, but none quite like this, I don't think. So it is awesome to have you. How are you feeling? Yeah. How are things? I feel great. Yeah, no, this is exciting. Uh, I've, I uh, I love talking to this. I talked to Musk this morning. He said he did this. So I'm like looking forward to it. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, Musk just did it and Musk crushed it. And it was the same thing. You know, you like like you and he, he and I are very good friends, but we normally don't have that conversation. So I'm glad to have this <laughs> opportunity with you. Let me ask you this, Michael, you are the man behind the Daily Coach. Let me start right there. What is the Daily Coach? 
Well, the Daily Coach was, it, it's kind of a, a serendipitous event in my life. I was sitting having lunch, dinner with the great, the great, underscore the great George Raveling. And anybody who doesn't know who George Raveling is, George Raveling is uh, a former basketball player from Villanova, became the head coach at Iowa, Washington State, then USC, was part of the Olympic team. And if you watch the movie Air, uh, he is credited for bringing Michael Jordan to Nike. Uh, Michael made sure that point was made in the movie, but also he is the owner of the Martin Luther King speech when he walked off the stage that day because uh, Coach Rab was on the stage. So he and I are having lunch and we've always been both book readers and we were both reading a trillion dollar coach. And we looked at each other and said, you know, if Steve Jobs needs a coach and Larry Ellison needs a coach and Mark Zuckerberg needs a coach, Michael Lombardi and George Raveling need one too. And so we said, why don't we start writing an email and just see if we could put it out there? And it'll be four years in July that we started that project. And we have over 36,000 morning emails that go out. We've, we've, we've made no money off it. It's the greatest reward in my life that I've ever had, including Super Bowls, uh, because you give back to people. And I think Coach, not speaking for him, but he would feel the same way too. So it's a labor of love. It's been an idea. We haven't figured out what the business is of the Daily Coach. We're working on that, but uh, we love doing it. All right, so that's fascinating to me. Not so much that this is what you've come to, but that you and he came together. Like, I haven't spoke to Ravs in a number of years, but George Raveling, Michael, used to come on my radio program all the time back in the day. And my favorite George Raveling story is I've only spoken to Michael Jordan once in my entire career, and we tried really, really hard for a long time to make that happen. And then he and I both were in the original Space Jam movie. I had a cameo. Of course, he was the guy. But Ravs and I were good at that time, and he said, Michael, he said, Jim, I think I can get him. In fact, I know I can get him. I can get you, Michael. I can get you, Michael. And we tried for months and months and months and months. It finally happened, and it was George Raveling who made it happen, which is like this legendary story for our radio program. It's amazing. I'm going to ask you about something he told you recently. George Raveling said to you recently, many are busy, but few are focused. What did he mean by that? Oh, you know, I, I think he he means that very few are able to be in service to the work. There's a great Rick Rubin quote. He says, we are in service to the work more than the audience. And I think when you are focused, you are service to the work. If you were to walk into Rick Rubin's studio, he doesn't have a gold album. He doesn't have anything on the walls because he's not looking for that. He's not working towards that. He's working towards making the work the best he can. And that's ultimately the definition of focus. And I know we are all in jobs that are measured by wins and losses. And that's important. Just like record producers and, and stars and entertainers are, are measured by audience and how many people watch and how many people buy all the albums. But if we get focused on what we're doing, the work is what Coach Rav was talking about, then everything else is secondary. You know, to that point, Michael, for instance, like you've also made the point, we all find time to exercise and strengthen our bodies. That's a given. However, do we spend enough time working on our creativity and finding the right physical space to work? Yeah, I think, you know, if I look back on my career, I, I really would have spent, you know, you're, you're so busy being in the office. You're, you got, I got to be there. I got to keep working. When if you took an hour to read a day or an hour to take a walk, your creative juices would have really grown and really come to life. And I think that that's part of what's missing is what's missing in, in coaching and leadership is where are you getting where are you renewing your creative power? And that's so important. And it's so important. The only way you can renew your creative power is by learning, is by curiosity, is by searching for something. And I, I think as I look back on my career, and that's what makes the Daily Coach so much fun, because as Rav would have said, the first year he kept saying, we have no idea where we're going, but isn't this fun? <laughs> so let me take a moment and talk to you about one of my favorite products ever, Element, L-M-N-T. I'll tell you why I love this, and I'll tell you why you need Element. You need Element because you have to replenish electrolytes. And for so many different reasons, I mean, this can be after having a few glasses of wine or working out or just maintaining an active lifestyle. 
Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't need, meaning lots of salt but no sugar. All the good stuff, none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. On top of all of that, Element can also help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. By the way, I suffered from all those things. Notice I said I did suffer from all those things. Not anymore. As an example, when you sweat, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium. Athletes can lose up to 7 grams per day. When sodium is not replaced, it is common to experience muscle cramps and fatigue. I hit the cardio hard every single day. That's the issue I had before I learned about Element. And right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets for free with any Element order. This is a tremendous way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. So get yours at drinklmnt.com slash Rome. The deal is only available through my link. Once again, you got to go to drinklmnt.com slash Rome. Drinkelement.com slash Rome. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. Like, we have to renew ourselves and we have to renew our creativity. You know, I mean, getting out and moving around is one thing. What about the physical space? Like, when you look for a place to work, where are you at your most creative? I am at my most creative in the morning. And when I prepare my evening to work in the morning, I am really creative. I think we have this ability to write in our minds when we go to sleep. If tomorrow morning I'm going to write a column for Visa. I know what the column is. I've researched a little bit. But when I lay down tonight, that opening paragraph will come to me. I'll think about it more. And through sleeping and through getting ready to go to sleep, those thoughts, they don't disturb my sleep. They create this something that will say to me in my head, and I'll remember it in the morning, and I'll get up and I'll start being creative. And I think it's just its really a great habit. I, I, I just watched... Jim, it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life. It's called Turn Every Page. It's about Robert Caro and Robert Gottlieb. It's by Gottlieb's daughter, Lizzie Gottlieb. Here's two gentlemen, 91 years old, Gottlieb, Caro, 86. He's written five books in his life. He's in a race to write the fifth and final volume of LBJ. He's 86 years old. And the word retirement for two gentlemen that spend their lives discussing words doesn't exist in their life. For these two gentlemen who really spend all the time of trying to find, they're in no rush to complete the project, even though the hourglass is going against them. And that creativeness that comes to them is such a motivating factor to me. Is Rav told me when we were having that dinner, he said, you know, the greatest time in my life was when I turned 62 to today. My second career has been the most rewarding. And, and I think if you have that mentality like Cairo and Gottlieb do, it's a remarkable thing. All right, so I'm getting chills hearing that because that's the genesis of this entire thing. I mean, there's a podcast, Michael, but there's something much bigger than the podcast, of course, right? The podcast is some content that I'm creating, but it's a lifestyle that I'm trying to create. And the genesis and the theme behind this is, can my next 25 years be my best 25 years? I do not want to be that guy who's always looking behind me. I don't want to be that guy, Michael, who people are coming up to me and saying, hey, hey, yeah, didn't you do Jim Roman's burn? Well, yeah, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I love that Rav said the best time of my life started at 62 for my second career. That's incredible. And that's exactly what I want to hear because I see possibilities. For those who don't know, what is his second career? What did he start doing at 62? Well, he started he started with Nike. You know, he got he got together with Nike and he became an employee of Nike and an ambassador for Nike. And he coached in the double in the in the Olympics and all those things. And he got into the Hall of Fame because of all this. He, he succeeded and, and he found value in himself and he found value in his work. I, I think one of the things and I, I, for me, writing my book, Red Iron Genius, gave me personal freedom. And by gaining personal freedom, I then was able to do whatever I wanted to do and focus on the work and not the audience. 
focus on my work, not worried about what somebody I'm working for thinks of me, or did I say the right thing, or did I not say the right thing, or what is the right thing to say, or politically, how do I handle it? When you gain personal freedom in your life and you're willing to service your work, it's powerful. And I think that's what Rab did when he got to Nike and he was around Phil Knight and he was cultivating his power of an intellectual capacity. That's remarkable. I mean, this is a man, when I first met him in 1998, you know, he he was getting clips from the great John Coleman'sberger. You've been at CBS. I don't know if you know John Coleman'sberger, but John Coleman'sberger was a researcher at CBS and he would ride his bike down to the Strand bookstore and buy every single newspaper before we had an internet. And he would give them all to Coach Rav, and Rav would read them all. Rav would read them all. And the curiosity that Rad had when he was 20, 30, 40 is where he is today. It's so good. He'll send me five or six texts a day on articles I need to read. It's powerful. And I think that makes your second career. I'm like you, Jim. I did not want to sit there and read my obituary and say, Michael Lombardi worked for this three teams, and then he retired and played golf. Like, that had no appeal to me whatsoever. I feel the exact same way. Michael, when you say that writing that book gave you that freedom, was it because it gave you financial freedom and you were no. not beholden to somebody else, or did it give you another kind of freedom? It, no, it didn't give me one ounce of financial freedom. In fact, you know from the book business, it, book businesses are hard. Yeah. If you, don't get, if you don't get somebody to help you get behind the book, you know, where you can get on the CBS morning show or you get on the CBS or, or on 60 Minutes or, you know, you got to have that. I, I, I didn't have that campaign behind me. And I've sold 50,000 books of Gridiron Genius, which is a lot in the book business. To me, it doesn't seem like a lot. But what gave what it gave me was the paper, the words on the paper where I was able to tell a story through the eyes of what I learned from these great men, Walsh, Belichick, Al Davis, and explain football to people through my eyes. And I didn't have to worry about, well, you know, Lombardi really doesn't know that. He just he just repeats what Belichick says. Read my book. If you don't think I know it, read my book. There's the personal freedom. Hey, I love that. I love that. You had a platform. You exercised that platform. You said what you wanted to say, and you were your own man. Uh, but, but since I've known you, Michael, I've always thought you'd be like that. I've always known you'd be like that. But I could see whereby there was certain, you know, you, you could write that and feel that way, and then everybody would know it, and you would know it. Let me ask you this. You write that no leader sets out to be a leader. If you don't set out to be a leader, then where do these great leaders come from? The observation, they learn it, they experience it. Joe Mazzulla with the Boston Celtics, he's lacking in so much leadership. He's so inexperienced, right? And everybody wants to give him a hard time about the strategy. That's important. But the messaging and how he handles his body and, his, and all those things, he's got to learn that and he's got to be a student. He can't sit there and say, I got it all. One of the biggest disappointments to me is we don't teach leadership. The Army teaches leadership. The Navy teaches leadership. Air Force. It's something that you can learn. Now, you may not be an alpha leader. It's just not an instinctive ability that people have. It comes out in them. And I think one of the things we do a poor job with in coaching is how to teach leadership, how to be a global thinker, how to understand what we're looking at and how to solve problems. You know, when, when, when someone comes to you as a leader, and you don't have an answer for them, you really can't lead. You can't lead. See, we've gotten into this part of we are now in the NFL is we've got an offense coordinator, defense coordinator, and we've got a special teams coach, and maybe the defense coordinator is the head coach, or maybe the offense coordinator is the head coach, but no one's tying it all together. And I think what we learned about the Miami Heat last night is, is that when you have someone like Spolstra, through Pat Riley, who develop a culture, and as Spolstra said at his press conference yesterday, you know, I'm the curious, I, I am the keeper of the culture. You know, I do, uh, it's my task to do that. Then the team wins together. We win together. And that's a powerful tool, but we got to teach that. You know, Spolstra didn't wake up and become this great leader. Riley being with Riley, he taught him and he learned it and he engaged it and he became it. And it was so powerful for him that this is who he wanted to be. He became authentic. I think the other thing too, Jim, most importantly for people is you've got to tell your story. It's your story. You got to tell it. Don't let somebody else tell your story. You know, I am a huge Springsteen freak, 
huge, right? And everything I do, I'm from the Church of Springsteen, and I evolve everything. But what I've learned from him is authenticity and how he just wants to keep telling his story. And let me take a moment and talk about one of my favorite products ever, one of my favorite companies ever, a company that I've partnered with for several years now, Omaha Steaks. I love this brand. I love this product. And with Father's Day right around the corner, now is the perfect time for you to reacquaint yourself with Omaha Steaks. Such a great product. Here's what you do. You go online to omahasteaks.com, and then you get $30 off when you use my name, Jim Rome. 30 bucks off when you use my name, Jim Rome, as the promo code at checkout, and get off your qualifying order. So many great packages, including fork tender, bacon wrapped filet mignons, or gourmet grillables like the air-chilled boneless chicken breasts burgers, Jumbo Franks, and many, many more favorites. I love every last one of them. And don't forget, you have to save room for dessert. Their desserts are incredible, and most gift packages come with four delicious caramel apple tartlets. Also, check out the other hand-selected packages that are guaranteed to make Dad's Day. It's the perfect Father's Day gift. Hey, listen, if there's one thing we all know, it's that Dad wants steak. I know I do. So whether he's your father, father father-in-law, or father figure, he is the guy who is always ready to step up when you needed him most. So step up for him right now. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use my name, Jim Rome, as the promo code. When you place your order today, receive 30 bucks off your qualifying order. That is promo code Jim Rome, R-O-M-E, to get 30 bucks off your qualifying order at omahasteaks.com. Minimum order may be required. See site for details. You know, Michael, I'm a huge Springsteen guy, too. You know what's amazing to me is that why do you think, knowing him the way you know him, and I know that he loves the craft, and I know he loves to create, but why do you think that he still goes as hard as he does at his age, at his level, and tours when it's got to be grueling? Like, I understand that Bruce doesn't play five-hour shows like he did when we fell in love with the guy, but, man, he's still out there, and he's still performing at an elite level. Why do you think he does that? It's a, no different than why does Caro and, and Gottlieb not just end the book and qu- just cut every corner they can to get the book out because he's, he's in service to the work. It's more important to him to go up there and tell his story. And basically, he feels an obligation to the people to give them the show that he wants to give them. And it says the, the endorphins get released in his brain. He loves it. He's engaged. I, I, I wrote this in, in my book, uh, Gridiron Genius. I wrote you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks 10,000 hours. Great. We all need to practice. We all need to do that. But what we need, too, is the Springsteen born to run, where we do it over and over again with the same passion and the same enthusiasm. That's a learned habit. That's a learned habit. So many guys get comfortable. So many guys win something and they say, okay, we're done. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm content. There's, a, there's an internal drive, that competitive stamina that Gottlieb has, that Cairo has, that Springsteen has – that I think is just incredible. And, I, and that's what I want. I want to be that competitor because when you are that way, you you basically, you know, we talk about, build, I talk about building a team it is really a competitive spirit because when you break down that word, it's about doing everything for removing yourself from the equation, but also having a communion with other people. And I think that's what he's doing. So, Michael, we're talking about some really, really high-level achievers and performers, the elite of the elite. However, you make the point that everybody, while everybody may need a coach, everybody actually is a coach. How is everybody listening a coach? What do you mean by that? Their habits. You know, if, if you want people to follow you, create great habits. Don't come to work and spend time at the water cooler. Work. Do the work. Produce. You know, do the things that you have to do. Don't care about what makes other people happy. Care about your work. Service your work. Be That's the most important thing. Be curious. Read a book. You know, if you, if you see people read a book, other people start reading it. You're the leader. People start reading. If you start going for a walk every day, people start going for a walk. You have, an, you have to be able to to demonstrate through visually who you are. You just can't, no one in this world today just assumes you got it. You got to preach it and you got to show it. 
And when you're called for duty, you got to answer. You know, Michael, you mentioned Pat Riley. Pat Riley is an icon. He's a legend. He's the president of the Miami Heat. He has been since the mid-90s. Pat Riley, Michael, likes to talk about the, quote, disease of me. What does he mean by disease of me? Contentment. You know, everybody taking ownership of success. Everybody believing that their role was the reason why we were successful. Right. I want more money. I want to be recognized. I want, I want, I want. We are in an I generation. But the team that wins and proven by the heat, we wins over I every single time. And so that's what he's talking about. That's what he keeps preaching about. And he's aligned his organization in that fashion. Here's the most important part about the Miami Heat. They are not ever on the same page. They are perfectly aligned. Now you say, what's the difference? The difference is a lot of organizations say they're on the same page. I want to win, you want to win. But nobody's as aligned as the Heat. Nobody is as aligned because there's no way you're going to break up Spolstra and Riley. They both are aligned perfectly in what they believe in and how the vision is going to go forward. And even the great LeBron James isn't going to be able to upset that train. Okay? He's not going to get in the way of that. So that's alignment, and that's what he's talking about. Disease of me is when someone starts to think they're bigger than the team. No, by the way, you're right. LeBron's not going to get in the way of that because LeBron reportedly tried to get supposed to be fired in the beginning, and it didn't happen. It didn't work. I love the line, Michael, alignment. It's one thing for Spolstra and Riley to be aligned. What about the individual? Like, I, I find myself, Michael, fighting myself. I find myself right. getting out of alignment. Now, I know that when you get out of alignment, what you need to do is get back on the path as quickly as possible. What I can't really figure out about me personally is, the fuck am I getting out of alignment in the first place for when I know it's going to make me feel miserable? Why do we do things that we know are not in alignment that aren't going to make us feel good? Sometimes, you know, we as 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 creative forces, sometimes we sit there and we we start surfing the internet or doing something that we should be focusing on the work. And we associate that searching and that ability to move around and what we call wasting time as a way of, you know, we're out of alignment. When and yet in reality, a lot of times when we're doing those things, we're trying to come up with creative ideas and it might hit you. And so sometimes we're so hard on ourselves about that, you know, that we are so, so demanding of us to stay on course to just we're not robots. You know, we are not robotic in what we do. Sometimes we have to listen to music to get a creative idea. Sometimes we've got to watch a YouTube video of a 60 minutes program. And all of a sudden there comes an idea. I think we're too hard on that. And I think that when we when you're not your values must always stay aligned, maybe not your concentration all the time. I think that that's fair as a response. However, I know for a fact I will never, ever find any kind of inspiration in the pantry. I am out of alignment when I go into my pantry, <laughs> but I see what you're saying. Let me ask you this. So there's a lot of people listening right now that might be mid-management, they might be management, they might be young and coming up. Here's an age-old management question. What comes first, culture or winning? Yeah, the standard of excellence comes first. So the, the, the short answer is it's always culture. If you don't have a standard of excellence, if you don't tell the people what we are going to become, and I'm not saying we're going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying we're going to be the World Series champion. I'm saying this is the level of performance that we will tolerate in this organization. I talked about this on, the, on my podcast, The GM Shuffle. There's a great coach down in Australia, Australian Rules Football, Austin Clarkson. He's the, the equivalent of Bill Belichick down there. His first meeting with his new team at North Melbourne, he says, look, all you guys can play footy. That's what they call Australian football, footy. But what we're looking for is guys that can play footy on the final Saturday in September at a championship level. Okay, that's what we're looking for. And if you're a young leader or you're a young executive, you've got to define that for people. And it's not we're going to win. It's not a mission statement. It's this is who we are. This is what we believe in. This is something we have to have. And people will follow you. And, and that's what they want. People want a sense of belonging. They want to be able to feel they're a part of something. And if you don't give them a description of what it takes to be us, to be us, this is who we are. If you don't define that, 
then it's a real problem. Here's who we are. Belichick walks into the Cleveland Browns and hands me a piece of paper and says, we will be a big physical football team that controls the middle of the field, be mentally tough and can play in any kind of weather. That's who we are. It didn't say anything about winning a Super Bowl. It said everything about who we're going to become. And then what he did was he tied the past to the present. Because if you don't have the past in your present, if you don't recognize the people who have come before you and have laid the foundation for you, then you're never going to be able to create the us environment. You've got to honor the players before you, the organization. I tell this all the time when I give out talks. The Michigan-Ohio State game in the year 2050 is sold out today. The kids are going to play in the game aren't even born. People are coming for the uniform. People come for the uniform. And so that's what we have to create. That's culture. Once we get there, then we can start worrying about winning. I love that. Like, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is what we do. And this is what everybody knows. Let me ask you this. What is the string of pearls framework? How does that work? It's really, in, in most organizations, it has to come from the, the ultimate decision. Like, let's take Miami. It comes from Riley. This is who we are. Now, what makes Riley so effective is his owner doesn't get in the way of it. Right? His owner doesn't come in and say, well, I don't really like that. Let's change. His owner's aligned to that degree, too. See, this is what happens to most organizations is they want this, but then they don't want to then they don't want to go through the pain of it. They don't want to have to they don't want to have to suffer through the diet. They want to be able to lose 50 pounds in a day. They don't want to have to go through the ups and the downs. Spolster talked about this constantly this year about how the over how they overcame so much and it made them a better team. We live in a society today where if something goes wrong, then it's all wrong and, and, and we can't be any good. We got to learn from what we didn't do, what, what our mistakes are. Where, where can we improve? How can we get better in, in our lives and our team? That's really, really important. And when you do that, then all of a sudden you grow and your team grows. You want to talk about society and where we live right now. Let me ask you this, Michael, what do you make of folks who reach for their phones more and more just to try to mock somebody else or to get them fired or to get others to look at them and react to them on social media like it's a real thing. So I'm curious, how do you view it and what should we do with it? Well, I think, you know, it's the noise. We we have to ignore it. If, if, if our sense of approval comes from what someone says on Twitter, we're never going anywhere. If our sense of approval comes by what's written about us, good or net or positively in the in online, then we're not going anywhere. We again, it goes back to the Rubin quote. We are in service to the work more than the audience. And if the audience is ripping us, Springsteen writes Nebraska. And if he doesn't write Nebraska, you know, when he puts Nebraska out, nobody thinks they're going to buy it. Doesn't even tour, doesn't even do interviews for it. It's what allowed him. He spoke through that album. He spoke through those writings and he didn't care what anybody thought. Now, he was shocked that it was third on the charts, but I think you have to have that. And I know it's hard for young people because we live in an acceptable society. Oh, you know, I'm on Instagram. I got 100,000 people on Instagram. I do this. I do that. We all do it to promote our to promote what we're doing because it's part of the craft. But if we look for validation from anything other than ourselves, we're done. So let me backtrack even further, Michael. For instance, like we're talking at a pretty high level. If somebody listening right now is saying, listen to the two of you, listen to the two of you, the two of you have done pretty well. The two of you have pretty good lives. I feel like crap, man. I'm, I'm at rock bottom right now. I'm really unhappy. My life is not going the way that I had hoped. In fact, it didn't go the way I had hoped. If somebody is really unhappy, where should they start? If they're going to start and they want to elevate their life or themselves, what advice would you give to that person who's not in a good place? At the first place, their health. They got to start mentally with their health. Read something, read a book, find out that you're not alone in this problem. Talk to somebody, find a therapist, find somebody that you can talk to, to find out why you feel this way. You know, I write about this for the Daily Coach. It's the power of the child, right? You know, there's a lot of times in my life before I wrote the book that I felt like I was a failure. I didn't achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve as a little kid growing up here in this beach town called Ocean City. And yet, if you would have told me to 
when I was 16 that I would have worked for Al Davis, worked for Bill Walsh, worked for Bill Belichick, win three Super Bowls, sign me up. Where do I sign? But because I was constantly looking for someone else's acceptance or the value validated by some website, then I, I felt incomplete. And once I wrote Gridiron Genius, that, that eliminated that. That's where I found my personal freedom. And I think if someone's doing that, they've got to go see somebody, talk to it, find out what's the root of their problem. Where are they? What is prohibiting them from going forward? Let me say this to you. It isn't because you didn't achieve anything, because you got plenty of time to do it. You can overcome it. We got, you know, we have, you, you and I are from a generation where Hollywood had that happy ending, the end, happy, everybody's happy and smiling. And it got conditioned in our brains and, and it, it got conditioned in our lives. Well, there is no, there is no every day is going to be the happy ending. We got to work for it and we're going to overcome it. It's got to be perseverance. And so whatever bad someone feels today, it can change and it can change quickly if the mind is right to do it. And I think the first thing I would recommend is talk to somebody that can help you understand why you're feeling this way. All right. So it's great advice. It's because it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. And it's not taboo. And you do need to talk to somebody, be it a friend or somebody close or somebody professional. What if it's not, you're not unhappy. You're just uninspired. You're kind of in a rut. What do you do if you're uninspired? Where do you start then? Well, you find out what your passions are, right? And you start working on that. I mean, how many times was Stephen King uninspired when he's teaching English, you know, and he's sitting in that trailer writing Carrie, you know, and he kept and he threw it out and his wife found it in the trash can. I mean, you you got to find what makes you happy. Where where are your joys? And then run to them and then run to them. And now I know that's a hard thing to do because we're making X amount of money and we got a family to feed and here's our joys to do this. But the reality of it is, is, you know, we got to find what we love. We got to find what we love, because when we love something, when we're all in on something and whether it's playing golf, whether it's in work professionally, like for me, I didn't have any hobbies because I was all in. I love football. I love doing this. We can become a powerful tool, but we got to find out what we love. To me, the benefit of my life why I might be different than someone else. And I'm sure it's the same way for you, Jim, is you knew who you wanted to be at an early age. The world gets out of the way for people to know where they're going. But sometimes people don't know where they're going until later in life. It's so funny you say that, Michael. I did the commencement speech for my son's graduation at the University of Wisconsin a couple of weeks back. He was a journalism major. And I said, you know, the one thing that I was good at, and I was not really good at a lot of things, was I was self-aware. And the one advantage I had was early in my life, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and that some people actually never figure that out. I mean, what you just said, I almost said verbatim to these kids coming out of college. Let me ask you this before you go. I know you'll tell me, especially with a sports background, I know you'll tell me the importance of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. What's an example of something that you got comfortable with that made you uncomfortable that you did consistently? Oh, something I was, un- well, I, I think the discipline of the work, you know, I think that makes you uncomfortable. Can I keep doing this every single day? You know, you live in South Cal- Southern California. What makes Navy SEALs great? It isn't that they run the fastest or they can do the most push-ups or they can do the sit-ups. It's they can do it every gosh darn day. And, and it's a hard thing to do. It's easy to say you should do it. But to do it every day, it gets uncomfortable. And you've got to get comfortable doing it every day. You've got to get comfortable doing it every single day. And, and I think to me, especially early in my career, when I was allowing outside forces to validate what I was doing, you know, that made it uncomfortable when it wasn't. And when you block that away and you take that away, you take that veneer out of your life, you just feel better. And all of a sudden, what you feel uncomfortable doing becomes comfortable. But I would say the discipline of the work, the ability to walk. Robert Caro walks from his apartment on Fifth Avenue to his office every day in a coat and tie and sits there at 86 years old and types on electric on a, not on a, on an electric typewriter. And he's still a third of the way before he's going to finish this book. Conan O'Brien's way. Everybody's waiting for this book. And he's in no rush. Because he's uncomfortable. He's comfortable being uncomfortable. 
So, Michael, what would you consider, you mentioned hobbies, like you obviously didn't have time to play golf. I always thought, like when I was younger and I had a certain amount of cash flow, I would join these clubs where I actually, I'd buy real estate that always had a golf component to it. And I started joining all these clubs thinking that I would play golf, but I never really wanted to play golf, nor did I have time <laughs> to play golf. And I never picked it up. So I'm not that guy. And I know I never will be. So did you, do you have hobbies? What, what would you consider a hobby that's not work or achievement related? You know, I would say reading would be one of my hobbies. Uh, probably, you know, listening, you know, chasing, you know, trying to learn, you know, Springsteen's a hobby for me, uh, trying to understand the guy, trying to understand. I think understanding great people are hobbies. I, I, I don't really have one. I mean, I, I love movies and, you know, my wife and I, we go out and go out to a great dinner, but I don't, you know, I, I don't golf. I don't ski. I live on the beach. I, I go down there and sit there and read a book. But for me, it's always been about how I can create, how I can get my creative juices to go. And I didn't know this early in my life, but the ability to create, the ability to find your creativity in your life is a hobby. And you got to work on that every day. So finally, Michael, you have multiple Super Bowl rings. You have worked with the best and the brightest. I would argue that you are the best and the brightest. Do you fully believe in your heart of hearts that your best work, your most creative work is in fact in front of you and not behind you? Yeah, there's no there's no question in my mind. What I always do, when I, when I give out talks, I always end the talk with this conversation because it was empowered to me when I read the book. Branch Rickey, the man who broke the color barrier in baseball. The man who invented batting helmets, the man who invented batting cages, the man who invented the minor leagues, the man who won a, a World Series at the St. Louis Browns and at the Los Angeles, at the Brooklyn Dodgers and at the Los Angeles Dodgers. He gets fired at his press conference at, Pitt, at the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's 77 years old and he goes to the press conference and they say, Mr. Ricky, you've had this incredible life. You've done all these incredible things, including allowing African-Americans to come into baseball. You broke the color barrier with Jackie Robinson. As you look back on your life, what would you say is the most important thing you've done in your life? And his answer was, it hasn't happened yet. Hmm. And I think that's the mentality we have to have. I think if we're going to live the most fullest life we can live, and I don't begrudge people that retire at 55. I'm not, that may be for some people. I have no problem with that, right? I, I don't. But for me, I want to think, I want to be George Raveling. I want to be thinking and creating and, and be that person at 86. I want to be Robert Gottlieb reading those books. Watch Turn Every Page. It's remarkable. It's not about two writer, a writer and an editor. It's about a human performance that withstands time. Absolutely love it. One last thought, bonus thought. When I talked to E. Muss, our mutual friend last week, I said, Muss, I've known you. You and I have been good friends since we were both 23. You are truly one of the great coaches in any sport. One of the great coaches. I said, who do you consider a coach to you? He mentioned you as one of the few people that he leans on when he has a question about, hey, you know, what do I do about this? Or what do I do about this situation? At this point in your life, Michael, who would you consider your coach or coaches? Oh, a lot of them. And I think Coach Rav's one of them. Coach Belichick, I mean, to me, he he is so honest. And so, you know, there's a problem we have in life about loyalty and devotion. You know, you know Bundy Brown, the great Muhammad Ali assistant, sure. right? Bundy Brown was, de was, was devoted to Muhammad Ali. Never told him the truth. Never told him the truth. He was devoted to him, right? Told him what he wanted to hear. Y'all, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. You're the greatest. You're the champ. Angelo Dundee was loyal to Muhammad when he told him he had to get out on the road. That's Belichick. Belichick's loyalty. He'll tell you the truth even if you don't think you, he thinks you need to hear it. I think that's where you go for advice. You go for advice to people that will be loyal to you and tell you what you need to hear. Don't find devotion in your friends. Don't find that. That's not good. Anybody can have that. you got to find people who are loyal and tell you that. I mean, so for me... I, I would say it's Belichick. I would say it's Muss. Buzz Williams is another guy that is love very, Buzz. very honest. Can I interrupt? He's I love incredible. I love Buzz, man. I love Buzz. If you want to talk about, and you should get Buzz on this, if you want to talk about how to stay in service to the work, Buzz, Buzz Williams' calendar 
should go to the Smithsonian Institute. It's that good. He's developed his own calendar that he's not been able to make, but his loyalty to his calendar, his loyalty to that and how he blocks every bit of time is remarkable. So you want to go to people that give you that, to give you the honesty. I don't want to hear people tell me I'm doing great. That's meaningless. I want to know how I get better. And the only way we're all going to get better is somebody tell us the truth. You know, we recently, I know Buzz, I'm very friendly with Buzz, and we went out to him recently. He had a really busy week because of, quote, the calendar, <laughs> the calendar, but he did tell my bookers, you tell Jim that I still think the world of him, and I've heard every single one of his episodes of the podcast, Michael, that you're appearing on right now. So I, I love, love Buzz, and I would finally end with this. You, you and I are so aligned on so many things. Every single person that I've ever hired to work on this show, my show, I've told them exactly what you just said. I said, do not tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear, because the reason I'm bringing you in is because I want to be better, and I want this show to be better. It's so critical. We don't want sycophants. We want people that will make it and us better. Exactly. And what we want to do is do the best work you can do, because your audience wants that. And your audience will catch up to you. And when you stimulate your audience and you make them think, when you write above your audience, when you make them catch up to you, instead of what we do is uh, what a lot of people do is try to just serve, just go down to their level, they get insulted. When you make them think and rise their level, it becomes huge. And the other factor, which I think I learned from Springsteen, when you add the human element to what you do, when you let people see that you've gone through good times, gone through bad times, and you have that, People gravitate towards your story. So here's the very last question, I swear. You mentioned <laughs> Bruce, Michael. I got to know, because you go way back, and it's a nearly impossible question to answer because in terms of reinvention, Bruce has reinvented himself so many times. Are you going to say Born to Run, or do you have a different favorite album? What is your favorite period and album for Bruce? I, I think to me that what I love about Bruce is because I, since 19, when I was a fat kid at 12, 13, when, when reading some Asbury came out, I got captivated. I would say through the period of time, every one of his albums has been my therapy, you know, born to run allowed me to cross highway nine, you know, uh, darkness on the edge of town allowed me to start to think about something that was going on the river, you know, what's my life all about? Nebraska, who am I? Human Touch and and Lucky to, and, and all and those albums, you know, ask the question about who am I as a human being, as a man, and then the rising. I, I would probably say the rising because it is so uplifting. But for me, I, I don't have five favorite Springsteen songs because every day it changes. But the two that I never would change would be somewhere, something in the night. And and uh, land of hope and dreams. So those two, you know, would be the two songs that I would never take off. Really interesting, really interesting, Michael. You have so much content and so much insight. If people want to find more information and they're captivated by this, like I know they are, where should I direct them to get more information about you and about what you're doing? Uh, I am on. Unfortunately, I'm on Twitter at M Lombardi NFL at Twitter. I am on Instagram. That is, that is unfortunate, isn't it? It is because, you, you know, I'm coming down to a level and, and we know this about Twitter. It's three percent of the population in either direction. And everybody's a genius. Everybody's right. Nobody wants to learn. There's no cure. There are. I say that, but there are people are really there are some genuinely nice people. So Instagram and Twitter. And then I'm on LinkedIn. If anybody wants to get in contact with my new book, Football Done Right, which is about the, the, the greats of the greats of the NFL. I think the NFL needs to have a Hall of Fame that's separated. I think what Deion Sanders said is right. His gold jacket is different than Tommy McDonald's gold jacket. Right. There's a level to the hall. Not all these guys are the greatest players of the greatest players. We've lowered the standard. And I wrote a book about it. So where do they get that book? September 5th, it'll be out. You can pre-order at your favorite uh, online bookstore. It's available to pre-order right now. It'll be out September the 5th. Jim Nance was kind enough to write the incredible forward for me. So, uh, yeah, I've been really blessed and I'm looking forward to it. I, again, it's a book I wanted to write. Because I feel like there's players that have been overlooked. There's coaches. Marty Schottenheimer has had 200 wins in his career. Now, you could say, well, he never went to the Super Bowl. He never won a Super Bowl. Okay, that's great. There's only nine people on the planet 
that have won 200 games, out of 514 that have called themselves head coaches. If you're in that small majority, you're a Hall of Famer. All right, so did I or did I not say you and I would have a conversation unlike any other conversation that we've had up until now? What an absolutely awesome time. Did not mean to take too much of your time, Michael, but this is the way this works. When I have a compelling guest and they say something interesting, it is my job to listen and then follow and then ask other questions, which is what I did. So I appreciate you. I appreciate the friendship. I kind of have an idea that you and I should share a stage one day and talk about Mm -hmm. these things, but we can get into that a little bit later on. I think we definitely should. And I definitely, we probably should go to a Springsteen concert. And you could probably get me backstage so I can shake his hand. Because that's the one thing I want more than anything in the world is I want to thank him. So I know I said initially when I began this podcast that I would steer away from relationships and friendships that I had made over the years in sports and that I was eager to meet new people and hear some new perspectives. That is absolutely true. However, it would be foolish of me not to take advantage of the existing relationships and access that I have with people in sports that have achieved unbelievable success and have undeniable pedigree and not pick their brains on what it takes to achieve success and to continue to rejuvenate and reinvent as we go on. It would be foolhardy for me not to have a conversation with Michael Lombardi if he was indeed willing to share what he knows what he has learned, and how he's approaching the rest of his life. And since he was, I had to take him up on that. And because of that, I am so much better for it. And I'm guessing you are too. If so, do me a favor, shoot him a note on Twitter or social media and let him know you appreciate that message and look for his books as well. And if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, it would be great if you could hit subscribe. That way you'll never have to look for any new episodes. They will find you instead. And if you could leave me a review, I would appreciate that so much. Plus, feel free to share this episode with anybody who you think might benefit from it. As always, your support means the world to me. Thank you very much for listening, and I will catch you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.